your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at our LO underscore Winnipeg Jets Twitter as well for the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and want to catch up on any previous episodes you may have missed or stay tuned for the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Doing so is free, much appreciated, and ensures you never miss another episode. As I said last night on the previous episode when we were recapping Winnipeg's game against the uh, Ottawa Senators and a few other moments of big news, I wanted to spend tonight talking about some of the interesting trades around the NHL because we mostly focused on Winnipeg's acquisition of Jordy Ben, which, to be honest, isn't really that big of a deal. But for the Jets fans, yeah, I mean, it's I, I suppose it's something to talk about. It's a little bit of an acquisition. Nothing too exciting, though. The rest of the NHL, though, was a lot more active, and I think a lot of these trades do bear some discussion, certainly in terms of how the market was, which teams maybe did better than others, which teams probably should have just avoided making any sorts of trades, and the overall market vibe. But before we talk about any of the trade deadline stuff, I did want to talk about something that was very interesting today and and recently came out a couple of hours ago, because I do think it suggests a very interesting thing about the Jets. Uh, So Paul Maurice earlier gave an interview talking about you know, Winnipeg's performance yesterday against the Sens, and also how he viewed the lineup. And when it comes to, uh, you know, Winnipeg media and questioning a lot of the lineup decisions, we haven't always seen a lot of the public trying to get at Maurice, just because oftentimes it's very uncomfortable. You don't really see many people asking specific questions about lineup and roster decisions that might have some implication as to a, a bit of a divide between the coaching staff and the management staff. Today was probably one of the rare instances where publicly I think the actual rift between how Maurice sees the lineup and how management sees the lineup was exposed. And so the question specifically surrounded the the use of Vili Heinola, or rather the lack of use of him. And I think Maurice's reaction and the way that he worded his phrasing to me suggests uh, something that I've personally thought about a long time, and that it's that there is a philosophical difference between the way the coaching staff wants to run a more veteran-heavy team versus management, which wants to push some of the kids as your internal upgrades. From the coaching staff's perspective, they often really like veterancy and experience as important aspects of building a foundation for a really strong NHL team. And it's not that point that I particularly disagree on. Experience and veterancy are both extremely important, especially when you have to understand which decisions are going to be the safest or most reliable, or which choices you can actually get away with if you want to engage in riskier play. It can also guide you in how an opponent might react to a single action or a string of actions you take on the ice, and I think that that sort of thing is very important, especially for players who are trying to figure out the best way to break down defenses and get into those really dangerous scoring areas. Management is seeming to push more towards wanting youth players, and I think the the biggest thing that Chevy has talked about is Vili Heinola being somebody that he wants to see get games. And this is a very interesting thing because traditionally, you know, Chevy hasn't said specifically that he wants a specific player to get ice time, but this time Chevy was extremely explicit. He named Heinola specifically and said that he wanted him to get some games before the end of the season. 
This is a pretty rare circumstance because early in their season, we saw that Heinola got called up and Maurice basically said he wasn't going to play him. And Chevy, I think, was intending, you know, Heinola to make the lineup somehow. That didn't really happen. Towards the end of the interview, Sean Reynolds actually asked Maurice and kind of circled back to this question because I feel like Maurice didn't really answer it the first time. You know, Reynolds was asking if, if in fact, Chevy is saying something about Heinola getting into the lineup and, and Chevy doesn't really deal with lineup decisions, does that signal some sort of a change? And why is there a difference? You could tell that Maurice didn't really have a very good response for this one because he basically deflected the question and said he didn't understand it or something like that, even though he 100% knew what Sean was asking. To me, there is a very core fundamental divide between where both uh, parts of the team's management process are. And I think that that's a bit of a problem. You know, you don't really expect teams in terms of coaching staffs and general management systems to be on the same page all the time. Coaching staffs and management teams will always have debates and disputes and different ideas on how things should be run. But I think at a very fundamental level, you do need to be on the same page. And there are probably a lot of areas where Chevy and Maurice do seem to agree on things, but I think the biggest thing and the lack of the usage of the youth is is definitely holding the Jets back. You know, Vili Heinola is not somebody who I think really should be viewed as like a normal youth player. He's been playing pro hockey for most of his teenage years, and I think that that says a lot about his maturity and his approach to the game. So, you know, he's been doing very well at the AHL level, and now that he's on the taxi squad... I just feel like it's a good time to get him into some games. To me, it's clear that Tucker Pullman and Josh Morrissey together have been something of a disaster. You know, night in and night out, I've said that that pairing has just not really worked out. Vili is probably ready to contribute right now, and I think he would be a pretty good contributor. It's not like a Cole Perfetti situation where, you know, Cole is probably a little bit raw, and I, I feel like if you want to give him a couple of NHL games, I wouldn't mind that at all. You know, just to get a, a sense of where he is in his development trajectory, and if it doesn't work out, you can certainly send him back down to the moose. But I think Heinola, for me, has basically proven all he can at lower levels. You know, he's not really somebody that I think has much left to do at the AHL level or any other pro league. He basically needs NHL reps, and he needs them sooner rather than later. That Maurice definitely doesn't see it that way is a little bit disappointing for me, because I feel like the Jets' defense right now is very rough, and Heinola is somebody who could easily improve it. Obviously, you'd expect there to be some rough patches because he is still a young rookie and he's still going to take some time to get used to the NHL game and he hasn't really been playing a whole lot recently. So I, I do understand that there will be some growing pains, but I also feel like right now we sort of know that the Jets defense as is isn't working all that well. The moment you put that blue line under pressure, especially if you don't let them offensively activate, things get a little bit dire. So you know, if I'm the Jets, I would start to think about maybe giving Heinle some looks. You're going to have Jordy Ben coming in for reinforcements. You know, it's about time. We're in the waning weeks of the season, and I think the Jets have a pretty good hold on that playoff spot, even if they don't get number two in the division, which is, I, I still think, pretty likely. But I, I think that they will definitely not worry too much about any team below them. So it wouldn't be a bad idea to start rotating in some younger players and seeing if any of your prospects can contribute. Sandberg being another candidate to rotate in and maybe get a look at. I don't think Maurice has much of an intention to play either, which is, again, disappointing for me, but... It is what it is. I'd love to know your thoughts about this divide between the GM and the coaching staff, so be sure to let me know at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. In just a moment, we'll take a look at all of the NHL trade deadline action from yesterday and talk about some of the biggest and most important trades, as well as the implications for these teams, the rest of the league, and how the NHL trade market really went. Before we go any further, though, I did want to tell you a little bit about why RockAuto.com should be the only place you buy your auto parts from. 
When it comes to buying auto parts, it can be hard to know the best prices. You might not know what you're looking for, and a lot of these places are very, you know, complicated, right? You don't really know what you're looking for. It's hard to navigate, and figuring out if you're even buying the right part is a bit of a complicated process. RockAuto.com takes all of the guesswork out and makes it as easy as humanly possible. They're a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry, and their easy-to-use intuitive website allows you to sort by make, year, and model of your vehicle, as well as setting a price range filter so you always get the parts that you need at the prices you want. Whether you're looking for a new engine control module or a floor mat replacement, RockAuto.com's diverse catalog is sure to have what you need in stock and at the best prices available. Why stand in line and waste your time or shop anywhere else when rockauto.com has the best prices in the industry? When you place your order, be sure to write locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are going to be breaking down the trade deadline in short order. We've already talked about Winnipeg acquiring Jordy Ben on yesterday's episode. If you missed that, nothing too complicated. Ben is a depth guy, nothing too exciting, but at least he was cheap. Before we cover any of the much larger trades and some of the implications of those deals, I did want to tell you a little bit about why Locked On Today needs to be in your daily podcast rotation. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite shows. Let's start off with the first big deal that sort of kicked everything off, and that was New Jersey and the Islanders exchanging Kyle Palmieri and Travis Ajak for A.J. Greer, Mason Jopst, a first-round 2021 pick, and a fourth-round pick that I think is also conditional. I don't remember if we talked about this trade before, but my basic take was that this deal is actually not super great for the Devils. So Kyle Palmieri and Travis Ajak are, are definitely on different ends of the usefulness spectrum. Zajac is mostly like a fourth line guy. I believe he got deployed with, I don't know, Oliver Wallstrom or something the other day. But obviously the crown jewel here is Kyle Palmieri. And, and Kyle is definitely one of the more interesting wingers available at this deadline. He was probably one of the best forwards that you could get. And certainly at the price that uh, the Islanders paid, I feel like they got a cut rate price on a great winger. Palmieri is consistently one of the top American goal scorers and, and definitely just a, a very good goal scorer in general. He's been a lethal winger throughout his entire career. He's got good value at even strength and, and on the power play, so you can basically use him in almost any situation. And he just sort of plugs along and brings enough skill, enough speed, enough, I guess, strength on the puck, and, and basically does all of the fundamentals really well to make him an effective top six player. He might not be like a game-breaking presence, but I think you can you certainly view him as like an excellent high-end rental as far as those are concerned. I would definitely rank him in some ways a little bit above Taylor Hall in terms of like finishing ability, even if his actual on-ice performance is probably not at the same level in terms of like, you know, shot attempts and all that stuff. Greer and Jobst are basically AHLers, so there's not much to say there other than they got traded and that's about it. I don't really feel like the New Jersey Devils got all that much of a great return. A first round and a fourth round pick basically is not super ideal. And I'm pretty sure the Devils retained salary, like 50% or something. So yeah, I, I didn't really love the return. I felt like the Devils could have done better. Um, certainly not the worst trade of the weekend, but definitely one where you kind of sit there and you're thinking to yourself, eh, I don't know if the, uh, if the Devils really made the right choice here. The Islanders definitely fortified their top six depth, and to be honest, if you want to kind of cash in the chips and go for it, especially with the Islanders playing as good as they have been under trots, this would probably be the season to do it. But I felt like the price that they paid was actually super reasonable for the return that they're likely to get. One of the other notable trades that we may have talked about earlier, but uh, I thought it'd be worth revisiting, is Brett Connolly and Henrik Borgstrom for um, Lucas Carlson and, and Lucas Walmark. 
Now, I think also they all, they included Riley Stillman in a 2021 seventh heading to the, uh, the the Chicago Blackhawks. I feel like this deal is is very much a meh for me. You know, Henrik Borgstrom used to be a decently touted prospect, but he was probably a little overhyped, and I feel like his production at most of the levels outside of college have been modest. Lucas Walmark's kind of in a similar position, although Walmark, I think, is actually a good utility, you know, third or fourth line player. It kind of feels like the Panthers are basically just dumping cap space to make a move, but to be honest, I don't really think they actually did that well. We'll talk about some of the Panthers' moves in a little bit, but this trade, which freed up space and moved out one of the guys that they were hoping to be a contributor in their middle six, I, I don't really feel like does anything for them other than, again, clears cap space. Before we pause, uh, we'll talk about uh, the, the Panthers making another smaller deal for Brandon Montour from the Sabres in exchange for a third-round pick. Montour, yeah... So I think Brandon a long time ago would have been a really interesting two-way offensive D. To be honest, though, Montour's never really had the on-ice impacts that he was expected to. The closest thing I could compare him to is if Neil Pionk basically never improved. And Montour, I think, does have offensive value in, like, sheltered power play roles and stuff. But if you're bringing him in, it would be, I would imagine, to try and replace the impact that Aaron Ekblad had on the Panthers. Let's be honest, that's just not happening. You know, uh, Ekblad is a dominant, really high-end first-pairing D. Montour is basically a seventh defender at this point with extremely limited value. You would probably sign a guy like Brad Hunt and get the same amount of value. And that's no offense to Brad Hunt. I think it says more about where Montour has kind of gone wrong. I think a lot of what Brandon's game was reliant on was basically hoping the opponents didn't really target him as much and that he would get, you know, clear shooting lanes on net. His actual offensive production is not great. While he is very offensively gifted in terms of like his technical ability, the fact that he can't actually get into space all that often and spends too many shifts trying to defend really bad defensive zone plays just really, for me, sinks the value of this trade. A third round pick is kind of like whatever, I guess. You don't really expect those to turn into NHLers very often, but I also don't really feel like if you're going to trade that third, bringing in Montour was the best choice. In just a moment, we'll talk about why a third rounder actually got you a much better defender if you were smart, rather than, you know, trying to go for Brandon Montour. But before we talk about making riskier bets, I wanted to tell you a little bit about why BetOnline.ag is the safest bet you can make. When it comes to the wild, wild west of online betting, you need to know that there's a name you can trust and that's always reliable. That's why you should look no further than BetOnline.ag. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, international soccer... NHL, and so many other sports are all in full swing. If you're not into sports, no problem. BetOnline has your back with awards, TV shows, and reality TV coverage, featuring real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Whether you're looking to bet on the next Stanley Cup champion or who you think is getting voted off your favorite reality TV show next, BetOnline also has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds you need to make the most informed bets every single time. It really is your one-stop shop for all your online betting needs. Getting started couldn't be easier. Go to betonline.ag on your desktop or your mobile device, and when you register for a free account, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Stop sitting on the sidelines and get in on the action today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are taking a look at some of the top trades from around the NHL, and we've talked about a couple of big ones, or at least, I guess, decent-sized deals. Let's talk about the biggest trades, though, and I think one of the biggest ones that everyone was anticipating and expecting and hoping that the Jets would be in on is uh, David Savard to the Tampa Bay Lightning as part of a trade with the Red Wings in exchange for the Lightning's first-round pick and a third-round pick in the 2022 draft. 
all these teams basically had to do uh, was some like weird cap stuff so that Savard could actually be, you know, capably added to Tampa Bay's roster without having to worry too much about the salary situation. It is like cap circumvention, which I think a lot of people were kind of like, eh, not too fond of, but it is legal, it is allowed, and plenty of teams weaponize their cap space in this way. Personally, I don't really care. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, and to be honest, you know, Savard wasn't, for me, somebody who moved the needle. I, I think David is definitely, like, a defensive expert, but to be honest, he just doesn't really do enough in the other ends of the ice that I, I really feel like he was exactly who I wanted the Jets to pick up, you know? For the price that was paid and for what he brings, Savard makes a lot of sense for a team like Tampa Bay where they have like a lot of really high-end puck-moving D. The Jets are more of the opposite. They have a lot of guys who are probably, you know, considered more stay-at-home D, but the lack of puck-moving has definitely been a, a serious issue for the Jets, and I don't think Savard was really going to fix that. I'm sure David was thought to be a huge fit for the Lightning. It doesn't sound like his first game went according to plan. I don't know if he was actually bad or anything, but apparently he was credited with a minus four, which is um, certainly on the stat sheet's going to look pretty ugly. Doesn't really mean that he was actually bad because, let's be honest, plus or minus kind of useless, but perhaps the grass is not always greener when your goaltender is having a bit of a mare. I'm just glad the Jets didn't make this deal because I don't think it was going to be worth it. And to be honest, you know, Savard, again, decent player, just not for me. I would have actually been okay with John Merrill from the Red Wings, but apparently the Canadians picked him up for like a fifth round pick and Hayden Verbeek, which I don't really know if uh, Hayden is actually capable of doing all that much or if he's like an AHLer, but Merrill is like an okay third pairing D, probably on par with somebody like, I would say, I don't know, um, Jordy Ben, but probably better than Ben in most, you know, even strength categories. I don't know if he was all that great, but hey, he was cheap. We then had the Toronto Maple Leafs grabbing Nick Foligno and uh, Stefan Nason in exchange for a 2021 NHL draft pick from the first round and then the fourth pick and then another fourth pick. So a first and two fourth rounders for Nason and Foligno for me is just kind of like, yikes, I would say. I don't really know that that's all that great of a deal. Um, and especially when you compare it to some of the other trades that occurred, notably Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar for Anders Bjork and a second round pick. You know, Bruins getting a pretty good top six forward and Curtis Lazar for a guy who's probably like a third line winger and a second round pick. Overall, a very good deal for the Bruins. And it makes the Felino trade just look not that ideal. I think Felino is definitely more of like a physical defensive presence. But to be honest, if you're looking to chase a cup, Hall would make a lot more sense in terms of being a really high end forward. And certainly somebody who can be a play driver. I, I don't know that Felino is going to be much more than like a gritty physical defensive presence who can also assist with like transition duties and stuff and be like a voice in the locker room. But it could be worse, I guess. I don't know. The Felino trade in, in retrospect just looks pretty bad. Um, and then aside from that, you know, the Montour deal also looks bad. I, I alluded to earlier there being another defender that was traded for about the same price. And uh, Boston ended up picking up Mike Riley from Ottawa for a third round pick in next year's draft. Riley was probably one of the few defenders I was interested in bringing in. He's offensively aggressive. His defensive results are pretty good because he's strong on the puck. He's got good distribution. His edge work is fine. While his debut against the Jets probably wasn't that great, I would say that overall his underlying numbers look very good. He seems like the exact puck moving D the Jets need would have been nice. Uh, and then the last deal that I want to talk about is definitely the biggest one. We're going to skip a bunch of other deals just because I feel like for the most part they were okay, more depth moves. Um, but the big one that I think is is worth discussing is Washington exchanging Jakob Vrana, Richard Ponick, a 2021 first round pick and a 2022 second, second round pick. 
for Anthony Mantha. This one came right after the deadline was closed, and so it was definitely a late announcement, and I think it caught everyone off guard. I was basically kind of in a jaw-dropping situation with this one because I felt like Vrana, for me, is one of my personal favorite caps. But to be honest, I always knew that his time with Washington was probably limited. I think he tends to rub a lot of the coaching staff the wrong way. They weren't a fan of his personality and his behavior. Certainly, Trotz wasn't much of a fan either. Laviolette, not a fan. I've heard stories about him, you know, during his Hershey days. So, you know, the Caps bringing in Anthony Mantha under contract control, mostly in his prime. He's a big physical power forward with an incredible top-end gear, really great shot, and very smart offensive instincts. So, this trade isn't like Forsberg for Erot like it was, you know, joked about. I would say that Washington probably paid a bit of a premium here. Uh, You know, it was definitely an expensive deal, but, you know, if you want cost certainty, you want a really guaranteed asset, you want a guy who's probably going to fit LaViolette better, and who can be like a really top-end player for a very physical, you know, power-forward style of a first-line player, I suppose the exchange itself is fair, because Vrana is definitely still in the situation where he needs a new deal, and I don't think he's going to be all that cheap. So that's a pretty crazy deal, and I believe Manta actually had a goal and an assist on tonight's game, and he could have probably had one or two extra points from what I saw. Very dangerous in any uh, shift that I saw him on. He was pretty much as advertised. I thought his skating was good. I thought he was getting into very dangerous spots. He worked well on his first-line deployment with uh, Backstrom and Oshie. I guess you can kind of call it the first line. Both lines, you know, for for the Caps tend to get a lot of equal ice distribution. So overall, very impressive performance. Probably a good sign of things to come for Mantha. But personally, very upset about Verona. That one's going to hurt. I'd love to know your thoughts about the trade deadline and if you think the, the Jets actually did pretty well or if other teams maybe surpassed them and if Winnipeg really should have done more. Be sure to let me know at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. And maybe I'll discuss some of that stuff later this week. Before you log off, though, be sure to check out Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Be a waiver wire winner with daily fantasy hockey advice from Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Expert Scott Cullen gives you the tips, insights, and analysis for season-long Dynasty and DFS League. Follow the Locked On Fantasy Hockey podcast on the Odyssey app wherever you get your favorite shows. And as always, thanks for listening. Have a great night. Go Jets go.